welcome to the Second Rail Education Podcast. This is John Heinz, and thanks for joining us. I have a special guest this week from London. Nick Wright is the managing director of the UK hub of a Swedish company named Hyper Island. And Nick has worked in a variety of settings in international education and probably even more diverse fields than that, which we'll get into. But I'm, I'm excited to have him here with me today to talk a little bit about what's going on with design learning and user experience in some digital education. So hi, Nick. Hello, John. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining me. So I'd like to start by just asking kind of a little bit of a background question about you. Tell me a little bit about your career, where you've come from and how you ended up where you are. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So I started off as a teacher, actually. I, uh, I left university, not particularly clear on, on what uh, the next step could be. I did a, an English a degree, a degree in English language and literacy and literature. And uh, I wasn't particularly clear on what the next step could be. And, and that's fairly typical, I think, for someone who comes out of university with an English degree. And uh, I went into teaching and I looked at uh, teaching English as a, as a foreign language. And uh, this was really just a stopgap for me to, to travel. But it turned out to be something I really loved. And I ended up coming back from trips in, you know, stays in, in teaching in Poland and in Brazil. And then I came back and did a diploma in English language teaching. So it's a postgraduate diploma. Uh, I then uh, taught in, in London and I became a teacher trainer. So I ended up teaching the thing that I'd learned to do. And then uh, I was given the role as a, a school director at a fairly young age as well. So that was quite a daunting prospect, but uh, a very steep learning curve on managing teams and growing businesses or trying to grow them anyway in education. And that's what my transition from teacher to, uh, I suppose, operations and, and business manager was, uh, that's when that happened. And then I went on to run a qualification awarding body called uh, Confederation of Tourism and Hospitality. And that was, it's a, the particular thing for the UK market, which is where you have charity or uh, private businesses endorsed and accredited to run qualification agencies, which then other providers then do those qualifications. So sitting guilds is a great example of that, Edexcel and so on. Got it. Uh, so I did that for six years and then I joined Central St. Martins. I went on to become director of innovation and business there at Central St. Martins. And that was all around generating what they call third stream income. And that's uh, to support educational uh, activity within the college, uh, to bring money in through you know running short courses, uh, but also to connect up with the innovation that's going on in, in industry with what's happening in the college and then vice versa, transferring that innovation back out from the college into industry. And we did that through student projects and graduate projects and a whole host of uh, innovation and innovation hub type activities to connect up the two. And that would also generate income as well. So that was a really interesting second sort of six years of my life. And now I'm at Hyper Island, which is a, a learning specialist focusing on digital and, and transformational change. So how did you make the leap to the digital realm or how more was you, what you were doing at Central St. Martin's also kind of in the digital realm? Yeah, it, actually, digital is a, the missing piece. So at Central St. Martin's, it was all, all about real world working, real world learning. And that's what really interested me in how Central St. Martin's did it, an institution that's been around for you know, over 100 years and yet had cutting edge teaching because it was constantly looking at what's happening now and bringing those briefs into the students and they would work on real things 
real world uh, issues and, and concerns, whatever, whether that's from architecture through to, you know, product design through to the fashion, obviously, for, you know, world renowned fashion department. So it was a, it was a fascinating experience. And what I loved about Hyper Island was that they, they applied the same principles. But what they also brought in was looking at the future through that digital lens and, and how technology is changing the world, changing the world of education, but also changing the world of, of work and, and how students are going into that, that world and needing a new set of skills. That's what really fascinated me. And so I made that jump. We'll talk about that link a little bit. Talk about that link between what was happening at Central St. Martins and what Hyper Island is doing. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, is how Hyper Island and Central Martins both work around the belief that, that you need to stay constant. And, and actually, we work in both institutions is about working on, on real briefs and, and, and real world circumstances. For example, we would bring in a brief at Central St. Martins to uh, students and they would work around, say, the, the new value of luxury brief from, say, LVMH, uh, which is obviously a very, very large global brand and collection of brands. Of course, yes. And it's a, it, the students would then interpret that and understand it and respond to it. And, you know, they would, they would also get paid uh, if they were successful in pitching an idea back to LVMH about how they could take forwards their, their idea. So this is kind of real IP being generated and being pushed back out into industry. And the same principle with, with Hyper Island, we're looking at how we could uh, respond to briefs around, for example, uh, a recent one on our master's course last year was around homelessness uh, in Manchester, an issue that is faced by almost every city in the world and, and how you get in this particular case I get the homeless back into work looking at the lens through the lens of design thinking we're looking much much more deeply at how this can be achieved rather than simply saying getting people into job interviews and so on actually let's look at the triggers the barriers the levers that are required to be able to to push these individuals and support them in, back into work going way before the actual interview itself. Yeah, there's a there's a common theme between the two organisations which I really valued, and that's uh, uh, that's continued my journey um, in in education, is around real world uh, working and applying uh, real world briefs um, to the students and and getting their response through it. So this could be like a 24 hour uh, turnaround in terms of uh, kind of immediate responses. Uh, Yes. And ideas and concepts through to a kind of six week, uh, eight week project where we're looking at uh, more deeply into design um, of, of solutions, prototyping, minimal viable products uh, and concepts mm -hmm. like that. So it's a, it's a fascinating connection with, with Central St. Martins. It's about creativity and, um, and design. And then with Hyper Island, it's more around uh, that digital mindset, how digital technologies can can shift. Yeah. So talk about the talk about that a little bit. The so a significant portion of what you're doing is 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 a step back from the actual delivery. And with Hyper Island is in the in, in the realm of user experience or creating the system by which the other content is delivered. Talk a little bit about how you feel about that transition and what you've learned about what is key in that user experience or in courses leading up to understanding user experience. I, th I think fundamentally it's about giving individuals who, who study hyper island courses the tools and, and techniques to be able to assess and take steps towards solving any, any issue. And those tools and techniques revolve around principles of innovation, you know, as you say, UX, um, user experience design. You know, design thinking, systems thinking, but but what we do is curate those ideas and and present them to the students through the course of the program to be able to, as I said, give them the tools and techniques to to be able to 
to to shift that problem on and unlock the issue and and solve a, a you know a problem that matters whether that's in business or or in a kind of a a more you know human centered concern i guess i have a couple of questions about who the audience is where you currently are seeing demand and where you're seeing it going we are worldwide uh, we're working in you know from sao paulo through to singapore obviously based out of sweden um but we have europe covered through you know the what we do in london and and in manchester um, and we're looking at growing, you know, that that's a, a real focus uh, to grow, to make us stronger, to be able to impact more, uh, more people. That's a real focus for us in Hyper Island. And it's based out of, um, I suppose, as a shift in market. It's based out of kind of concept that actually there is a, a fourth industrial revolution taking place. The initial industrial revolution in the 18th century, that kind of fusion of technologies, blurring the lines between physical, digital, biological even. I think it's referred to as a kind of cyber physical systems, you know, how, how this shift is, is happening. Now, that's a really macro view of things. But actually, when you boil it down, that, that is going to change work and it's going to change our behaviours. And we sort of, we, Hyperion, fundamentally believe that, that shift from, from kind of 20th century logic of, of product centric, command and control, linear and predictable, fixed skill sets is, is changing. It's changing to a customer centric approach, a distributed mandate. And a world of constant learning and actually uh, what really gets us up in the morning is, is looking at constant lifelong learning where we instill behaviors skills tools and techniques in, in with people either at work or as individuals to enable them to meet the challenges that are coming towards them in, in terms of the world of work yeah so what so who's your target audience what is what what is the what is the what's the demographic because it sounds like that cuts across everything <laughs> it cuts across age yeah. and language it cuts across everything but is there are you seeing there's a specific demand coming from a specific group yeah the, the demand is coming across all groups the big four consultancies look at their front page of their website it's all about the technological revolution what's happening to them and, and how they can try and help their their businesses that they work with and, and the research and reports that are coming out of it are all around that so yeah it's it's changing everyone so the demand is is cross sector it's, it's cross age group you know, our master's courses average around about 30 years old, I suppose, in terms of average age. But, you know, it, it goes from 22 to 50 and beyond. Actually, it is affecting all industries, this technological shift. And the people working in those industries, and those individuals going into those businesses are recognizing that and, and needing uh, better, more collaborative practice in terms of the way they work and the way they study. And, and that's where Hyper Island comes into it. You know, it's, it's also a shift that, you know, not only Hyper Island is recognized, but it's across across the market in the educational sector. So many organizations are uh, transferring into this area or building new offers in this area as well. Are your graduates going primarily into into companies or are they, t- are they more entrepreneurial and doing stuff on their own? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think we, we, we love the term entrepreneur. So it's, there's a lot of people who are going back in and employing these, you know, principles of self-leadership uh, to, to unlock, you know, within their teams, you know, the businesses. But yeah, there, there's uh, there's a mix of entrepreneurs as well as people going back into their businesses or moving, you know, transitioning industries. So we've got people from Deloitte coming in to do a, a high brand course, or they could be small uh, agencies that are looking to upskill and, and get new ideas in, and then and take that back into their businesses as well. And then we've also got those who are leaving kind of traditional higher education 
and aren't quite satisfied with the learning that they got, or maybe the skill sets that they've, they've they've developed, and they're looking for something that is more relevant to the needs of industry as, as this is changing. So virtual reality, augmented reality, I assume those are at least somewhat, if they're not currently in the game plan, they're going to be, and all the other constant changes that we're seeing in this area. How do you stay on top of that? Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's a that's a difficult one, of course. I mean, like sourcing that intel coming through is, is difficult, but um, we work with Hyper Island through a, a whole network of collaborators uh, that we call them. It's about a kind of process of osmosis between specialists that are in our world uh, that we really rate. Uh, they come in to deliver as industry leaders on our programs. They come in as um, speakers on our, our work with our clients. But at the heart of this, we have a core group of hyper islanders who are learning designers learning specialists and so this all kind of works around a what we call a content process model so if you could think of it as a, a walnut so we have the bottom half of the walnut is the process and this is where hyper island takes uh, the client or the, the student on a, on a learning journey through tried and tested ways of unlocking their behaviors and and, and bringing in new concepts and ideas and then above that is the content piece which is the specialists, the industry leaders, uh, the people who, who we really rate coming in and talking to the students, talking to the clients. And they, and they deliver this content into this process that we're developing. And we take them on that journey through to the end point, whether it's certification or a, pro- a change program within the client. This is fundamentally disruptive for me in the sense that you're creating processes that are at least have the user experiences that haven't existed before. So it makes sense to me that in something fundamentally disruptive, people are going to be more entrepreneurial or kind of outside of the box in terms of uh, organizations. And yet it seems like a large part of what you're doing is within kind of the big six and maybe some other of the the big consulting consulting firms. What's the connection there? Why is that part of what's driving demand? I think that, yeah, the world of working is changing as well. You know, the gig economy is expanding rapidly. People's needs changing the the way work is run is less fixed and and timeline based it's about separate sort of project based working and i think that that need is driving the demand in in the shift in education actually organizations need individuals that are able to work in that way and are able to jump in jump out easily enough whether they are full-time employed by that company or or in fact they they just jump in as uh, freelancers in the gig economy in itself And and i think that that's what's shifting things mostly the future world of work is a key area for us to pay attention to because it informs the content that we put into the studies we do at Hyper Island. Yeah, I recently heard a conversation with Jim Young Kim. He's the president of the World Bank, and he was talking about this year's World Development Report from the World Bank and how they, for the first time ever, or for the first time in quite a while, wrote a report on the future of work. The one thing that really stuck with me, he said that one of the biggest changes in automation and all the other things that are going to be coming are going to happen in the developed world first. Lesser developed and developing countries are going to be in a position of not adopting a lot of these changes as quickly, probably because of capacity issues that that they don't have. He, at the same time, was saying that in this new job market, anyone can step up to the plate and be a player from anywhere. And it seems like those are exactly the doors that you're opening up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, there's no question about that. And even if you look at you know certification, you look at blockchain and what that can do to link up the individual and the institution much more closely, it can provide a different kind of record of learning, which can then be taken around by the individual and authenticated because it's through the blockchain technology. 
So then what is the point of the accrediting university? That's utterly disruptive and that's a potential future outcome. So it, it is about being real world ready. One of the mantras that we have at Hyper Island, but it's a mantra that's shared by many, many other organizations because that's, a, that, that's where the disruption is coming from. And you look, as I said, you know, you look at that fourth industrial revolution, it, this is what's coming automation, jobs being replaced, and actually the needs are, are shifting completely from, from that 20th century format of education that, that we've been used to. Tell me a little bit about what kind of resistance you're seeing to what's out there, what you guys are doing. As a school, we're doing our thing and people are signing up because they want to be associated and involved and, and learn from that. And in many ways, we're, we're being enabled through that interest. So I wouldn't say the resistance is there, but, but actually what we find is the resistance is with the clients that we work with on the transformation side. We work with clients to support their shift and, and focus on how the world is changing, particularly through technology. So it's internal. Yeah, for, absolutely. And it's a fascinating piece around organizational change, organizational design that, that fascinates us and, brings, and we can bring that learning back into the, the programs and to the school itself. Because what we're finding is some, some organizations are able to be disruptive and to move with that. And others are, are fundamentally stuck and not able to shift and are being disruptive. I mean, there, there's, there's lo- lots and lots of examples of organizations that, mm-hmm. that you know, Kodak, for example, is a, is a well-known tried and tested MBA um, example, which, which didn't move fast enough uh, in, in, in terms of digital technology and, and lost and lost fundamentally, you know, lost the business completely. And, and there are many chief executives out there who are extremely scared of, of what's happening to their businesses and how that disruption is changing. And some of them are taking that chance to, to work with us, to look at mindset shifts within their organizations and unlock self-leadership and, and principles of prototyping and getting faster to market. Uh, and others that, you know, the organization just isn't capable of moving. And, and it, this fascinates us as a, as a problem. And as a as a, a way to try and solve and, and unlock, um, but as I said, we bring all that back into into our work in the modules in the the masters programs that we run. Yeah. So talk about the masters programs you run. What are the programs that you're running, and how do you distinguish them? Yeah. So they're broadly around four different modules: around business transformation, around design thinking, around technologies, and how we work with them and respond to them on the basis that we don't actually know what technology is going to land. You know, next year, in the next five years, it's going to make a big change. Right. But we do know we need a certain set of behaviors and tools and techniques to kind of respond to that. And then we also look at innovation in itself as a module. And all of that is client briefs, either their own companies, if it's a part-time master's or a full-time master's, we bring in client briefs for the students to test their ideas, prototype and respond to. The design thinking classes are traditional synchronous. Is there anything traditional in the model anywhere? Yes. Uh, yeah. So th- there was a, again, back to the content process model that we really adhere to. So we, we have a content piece where an industry speaker will talk about what they've done and there'll be um, kind of lectures in, the, in those sense, senses. And then there's a vast majority is about teamwork and collaboration. So the, 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 the most disruptive form, I suppose, to, to kind of talk about is that at the beginning of the master's program, we have four days of intense sessions which has got nothing to do with the content that we're going to be teaching them around design thinking or whatever it is. It's all about building self and teams so that when you get into the modules, they are able to form teams effectively and manage those teams effectively through the Susan Whelan model of high-performing teams or reaching that point. And then disband that team in an effective way so that once the project is closed, they can move on. 
So actually, there's two things running in parallel. One of them is that deep content piece coming through, and that comes through in their assignments. And then there's a second parallel piece, which is around teams and, and ways of working. And that's a disruptive bit, actually. It's a, it's a ways of working that we empower and develop and give them the tools and techniques to, to, to manage themselves so they can then go on and use that in their work after they leave. I just wanted to pick up on that that use of the word synchronous because um, we also run programs in the Hyperion group around online. And we've really developed a technique of te- delivering online, which is about the synchronous piece, which is, again, taking that team working and, and using it through that. So we cl- we're creating a community and our retention rates are really quite high because we're able to build that community. And there's, there's a, a need to work together and no one lets each other down. But then the asynchronous piece is where the content comes in. So that we'll give them webinars to watch and podcasts and all the rest of it that goes with that, which is a curated piece. But interestingly, the synchronous piece is not someone speaking one to many. It's actually many to many through the group work. And that models actually how the ways of of working are changing and how society is shifting as well. Yeah. So what aspect of it do you enjoy the most? I think... For me, uh, one of the statements in Hyperion is, is team is everything. And I always sort of knew that and felt it and built teams myself and, and I've led teams. And I've had the privilege of that. But at Hyperion, I found that it really is everything. And actually, there's ways of creating high-performing teams which work. So for me, seeing that in action and being successful just shows me how a powerful team can unlock almost any problem uh, working together. So this, I, I was mentioning earlier, I have a friend who works for a company that goes into traditional universities and consults with professors to take kind of a stodgy old class, update it, make it slick online, or at least at a minimum, add an online component, much more with adaptive learning and opportunities. Mm. And the universities are spending quite a bit of money trying to provide what they know these professors need, which is something more interactive than the traditional lecture where the professor gets up and whacks philosophical for, for, for an hour, three times a week. They get quite a bit of pushback from some of the more traditional professors. But at the same time, once they get the classes up and running, everybody's happy because they're infinitely more successful in the sense that their engagement goes off the charts, which is what adaptive technologies do and why they're so exciting. I guess what I'm wondering from you is what have you seen the relative importance of a good user experience for a digital course as opposed to traditional content? Yeah, I, I think your, your point is absolutely right. It's really interesting to hear your, um, your colleague and, and what they're working on. I think people want to collaborate and work effectively together. And if we can foster that, then we can get maximum engagement. There's no one answer. It's, it is, there's a whole host of different perspectives. And we need to use the technology to be able to secure and manage that whole range of perspectives to, to get collaboration working effectively. The, the model of that one-to-many uh, delivery isn't the way forwards and, and has never really probably been the way forwards. The most effective way of learning is to get the content and then start applying it immediately to then internalize it. And the technologies we use facilitate that. There's the whole host of different platforms, but Zoom is, is great for creating breakout rooms and getting delivery. It's also a neat way of getting everyone back into class after group work quickly because you just end their session and they pop back into the main screen again. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's actually really efficient. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I worked in operations for years and I know you're kind of an operations guy. And honestly, typically when I talk about operations with people as the panacea for almost any organizational improvement, a lot of times people's eyes glaze over and they start yawning. And I know you are an operational 
guru. So how about on the operations side, what have you learned? What are you seeing that's working better now that didn't work as well before? I think for me, it's back to technology in that actually the technology isn't the thing. It's how we apply it. And uh, it's really important to, to remember that as individuals that uh, we're not led by the technology. We, we're able to lead that technology. Also, what makes people's eyes glaze over is that if you say to someone that the way to make change happen is through IT, they think that's the most boring thing ever. But actually, that is the way to do it because you create new ways of working. That's the, the biggest shift in education that's happening now. We have what we call MOOCs, which are these massive online communities trying to develop teaching through that format. But the retention is incredibly low. The jury is still out as to whether that's a good format for educating. It's certainly a, a very cheap way, uh, if not free. Is it truly creating the learning and, and progress uh, that's needed? I'm not so sure. But certainly that was an initial practice an experiment into how we could use technologies to create greater impact across society. And it's only going to get better as, as these things iterate and improve. So no, yeah, for me, the, the biggest shift is what technology has done to, to open this up. Mm-hmm. So how do you and how does Hyper Island move from quantifying success in some traditional way of accomplishing tasks and perhaps even being present to some type of learning outcome? Yeah, yeah, the, the, this is, yeah it's an interesting point. From our position, the experiences need to be designed um, to produce outcomes and impact. So don't try to design a course and then hope to measure impact. That's absolutely not the, the way around. Also, recognizing the impacts may not necessarily be immediate. It may be better to measure impact three months later to see how changes have really happened mm-hmm. rather than simply reactions to a course or experience. We just have to sort of change that perspective. And we reflect on this a great deal as to what impact actually means and what learning actually means in terms of what's been achieved. Reflection is a key step on the way to whether outcomes have been reflected into action, and then that will create impact. Reflection can surface good intentions, but then, of course, once you're back by yourself or back in the office, that will get forgotten. And the other thing is about instilling habits. Good habits can lead to concrete actions that can be taken. So, yeah, designing good learning outcomes is, is hard, and it needs to be practised. It should be something that the learner can demonstrate, like those words like discuss or apply or select to start each outcome you know, into the sentence that's it's used. Uh, never use the word understand or know in a learning outcome. So actually turn that outcome into one that can be seen or measured. So it's something that we reflect on a great deal. Okay, so let me ask you one more question. Where do you go these days for your inspiration, support, the ideas? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I think... One well, one thing that would be really good to do is to sign up to uh, our bi-weekly newsletter, which is around uh, changes of tomorrow. So if you go onto the Hyper Island website and sign up to that, and that's a, a carefully curated and themed overview of the things that are being talked about. It's sent out every couple of weeks. And that, for me, is, is fascinating, being within the organization and reading the things that are coming up. So that, that's a great one. And that's curated by one of our collaborators who has been working with us for years. Typically, that's how we get our information, actually. We have this network of some sort of 400, 500 or so and beyond collaborators, alumni that are constantly feeding us back ideas of of things that are happening out there and that we should be thinking about. So there's no shortage of content in terms of the next thing. It's about curating it and making it relevant to us. And so it involves a lot of thinking and reading and 
and considering. And there's people in your organization who are better at that than others. For me, I welcome the input. So what's next for you? What are your current goals and what are you hoping to accomplish in your next year? Me personally, what I'm finding fascinating is working with organizations, large kind of legacy-based organizations that have, have been so successful in the 20th century with the business models they've had. And, and actually working with, with them and Hyper Island to understand how we can shift them into the 21st century and, and unlock their progress, I suppose, and respond to the disruption that's happening all around them. I, f- I find it an absolutely fascinating area of study and work and, and then applying that back into the program. Describe for me a little bit about why Hyper Island is in London. What's the relative strengths? Is there something that you, you're bringing to the table or that London's bringing to the table that's kind of not happening in Sweden? Or is there is it just is this just general growth? Yeah, the, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's in part general growth, but it's also a recognition that London as a city is one of the biggest and well-known in terms of, of innovation and industrial growth. So actually, we need to be in London if we're going to be having those conversations with those clients and to attract those kinds of students. London is also an international city, obviously, and, and has a whole range of diversity of peoples that, that will come and study the course. And that's fascinating for us as well. There's less so perhaps in Sweden, where the origin of, of Hyper Island has, has been. It, there's so much opportunity and potential. Brexit aside, that will unfold as it will unfold, and we'll be able to continue pushing forward with our agenda, irrespective of how that shifts. Well, exactly. And given that it's back in the news daily now, it's kind of difficult to see past. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually, that will move forward irrespective of the political domain. Well, this is great. Thanks for doing this. I'd love to have you back on after you've had a little more time to grow and after maybe we've had a couple of questions about Hyper Island or about their experience. It'd be great to have you on again and we can talk some more. We'd love to come back. Thanks so much, John. I'd love to respond and, and be in the conversation as well. As you can see, hopefully that my passion for this has come across. Um, I'd also say that technology is both a wonderful and utterly frustrating uh, experience as we, we push the boundaries of what we want to achieve. So let's keep pushing. Yeah, here, here. I, I'm with you. I, I agree completely. So thanks a lot. This has been, this has been a lot of fun. That's great. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, John. Second Rail was produced and edited by Mary Heinz. Theme music was composed and performed by Ted Enley. Richard Young was one of the inspirations for the podcast in the first place. So I thank him for that as well. I'll be back in a fortnight with another show and look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd ask you to take a second click on the rating box. Every time we get a click of any kind of rating, it helps our position and makes it easier for people to find us on Apple. It would be even more amazing if you wrote a review, although that's completely unnecessary at this early stage. If you listen on Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or any one of those other platforms, uh, ratings help us enormously. We appreciate you listening and have a great fortnight.